0: Here now is Pastor Otuno with today's message.
1: From Romans chapter 1, 18 to 32, we have seen a number of things. That if we as Christians are going to represent Christ, it is not enough for us to have a good view of who we are. It is not enough for us to have a good view of the Savior. It is not enough for us to have a good view of the Gospel. It is not enough for us to have a good view of what people are. But we must know the truth. We must not only know the truth, we must live the truth. We must not only live the truth, we must be committed to the truth. We must not only be committed to the truth, but we must not be afraid to declare the truth. Let me hold that, let me begin to unpack those one by one if we are going to represent Christ effectively in this day and age we must know the truth the bible tells us in the book of Romans chapter 1 verse 18 in verse 18 it says for the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and all unrighteousness of men who hold the truth in unrighteousness in other words these guys they know the truth about God they know the truth about what God has revealed they know the things that God has said he should do and he should not do they know the things that we are supposed to to stay away from. Even in the church of God, we know the truth because the truth has been revealed unto us. But the Bible says that they hold the truth in unrighteousness. Mm. The man who therefore will preach the gospel, the man who will represent Christ, must be a man who knows the truth and who doesn't hold the truth in unrighteousness. Mm because somebody is going to point it out to us somebody is going to tell us that there is inconsistencies in our life, somebody is going to say that what we are saying and what we are doing does not match and that brings a definitely that begins to weaken the testimony of Jesus in our mouth so the first thing is that we must know the truth the second thing is that we must live the truth he said, who hold the truth in unrighteousness, we cannot hold the truth in unrighteousness, we cannot live an inconsistent life, we cannot live a life that does not glorify the name of the Lord our words and our actions cannot there must, there must not be a gulf between the two of them, the word that we speak and the way that we live, the way that we the way that we live, those two must be must be must be complementary. In other words, everything that we say should be reflected in the way we live if we are going to represent Christ. Number three, the man who will, you know, the man who will who will be who will speak of Jesus Christ to this particular generation must be a man who is committed to the truth. Committed to the truth. You cannot preach the gospel to a society where God is no longer valued. You cannot speak of Jesus Christ to a community where the word of God is no longer respected. If we do not know, if we are not committed to the truth. Because at one point in time, you will come into an environment where the compromise will be the order of the day. We will come into an environment where people no longer even know what the truth stands for. Where people don't even know. They don't see anything wrong in lying. They don't see anything wrong in cheating. They don't see anything wrong in living a life of compromise. You are now going to come into that environment and you are now going to declare, thus says the Lord. You are going to face an uphill task. Unless you are committed to telling the truth. Unless you are committed to living a life of... A life that glorifies the name of the Lord, you may not be able to stand. Anytime when I do a marriage, I, when, I, when, I, when I counsel, I give the opportunity to, to perform weddings, I always tell the couples one thing. I said, if you want to keep your marriage going, there are some decisions that you have to make early in life. When you make those decisions early in life, when you are confronted with those situations, you don't have to make those decisions because decisions are already been made. The point I'm making. Let me illustrate for you. If you want to come to church on Sunday, if you wait till nine thirty in the morning on Sunday morning for you to make up your mind whether you are coming to church, there is a strong probability you are not going to show up in church that day, mm-hmm? because that's when you go to the closet and check: is this the best attire to wear? Is this the best shoe? Do I have the matching bag? Do I have everything? If you are making that decision at nine thirty in the morning and the service starts at ten possibility of you coming to church that day is limited. But, assuming on Monday morning, you start making a decision for Sunday morning, you have about six days in between, and you say, next Sunday, I am going to church. Okay? Next Sunday, I'm going to church. Everything inside of you is already wired. Because you are looking forward to that day. And when you get, when Sunday comes, it is, the probability of you showing up in church is almost 100%. If, it, barring some other circumstances, it's almost certain that you're going to show The reason is because you have made that decision early. You have decided early that on Sunday I am going to church. The same thing, if you make a commitment to the truth if you make a commitment to the truth and you say regardless of what everybody else is doing regardless of where the conditions are regardless of circumstance or the situation or who I'm working or who I'm not working with, regardless of the consequences, I am going to be a man of integrity I am going to always tell the truth as best to my to, my, to the best of my ability. If you made that decision early in life, situations will come and you say I have already made a promise to myself that I am going to always be on the side of the truth. That is what we'll take if we are going to represent Christ in this, AM, in this this environment because if you wait till that very day if you wait till that very hour if you wait till that circumstances to be able to make up your mind there is a strong probability that you'll be swept away by the current and by the tide of that particular moment so commitment to the truth is required and finally we must not be afraid to declare the truth
2: yes.
1: We must not be afraid to declare the truth i remember when i was growing up my mother you always say nobody will chop off your head if you tell the truth okay they cannot kill you. A, it, 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 where we say the word is not where you are going to die. Somebody, even, even if you are going to face a judge and you make a declaration, they are not going to kill you on the spot. They are still going to set a date for sentencing. But you have said what you need to say. The point is that we must not be afraid to declare the truth if we are going to represent Christ we must be ready to we must be ready to call sin by its real name we must be able to look into the eyes of the people that we have the opportunity of ministering to and tell them that this is what the word of the almighty god says mm-hmm. even if it is not convenient there are times that even when you are saying you yourself you are afraid there are times when you have to be able to be careful in the way you present your word so that you don't get yourself into unnecessary trouble but we must not shy away from the truth mm-hmm. A man who takes what does not belong to him is a thief. It's as simple as that. There's no other way for it. You are sleeping with another man's wife, you are an adulterer. Okay? You are not telling, you are telling stories that are not true, you are a liar there is no other way to call it because unless you define the word unless you declare the word the way they are people do not understand exactly what you are talking about and that is what we have succeeded in doing when you make an uncertain sound that's what the book of Ezekiel tells us when we make an uncertain sound we confuse the people we confuse the people so, my brothers and sisters, if we are going to do what, if we are going to represent Christ in this generation, we must be able to be, we must be, not be afraid to declare the truth. Now, if we are not willing to confront the people with the truth of the word of God, we may not be able to represent Christ in this age. The question is, why must we confront people with the truth of the word of God? Why? you know people in your life why must you tell them certain things why must you declare the truth to certain people the Bible tells us in the book of in verse number 19 of, of Romans chapter 1 it says that which, uh, that which may be known of God is manifest in other words the truth that we are talking about is obvious what is so difficult about that I shall not lie what is so difficult about that shall not steal what is so difficult about it is a very simple straightforward thing that is why you need to declare it is very simple it is very obvious we declare the truth because it is obvious number two we declare the truth because number it is revealed it is what God has revealed unto us verse number 19b because that which may be known of God is manifested unto them for God has showed it unto them they have no excuse there is no you cannot say you don't know these things these are obvious truths Anybody with an ounce of anything will know what is true and what is right. So we declare because number one is is obvious. We declare number two because it is revealed. We declare number three. We declare number three because people deliberately reject the truth. Mm. Look at verse number 21 of that chapter one. Romans chapter one verse 21. The Bible tells us in that verse number 21, it says, but that, but that when they knew God, okay, When they knew God, they glorified Him not as God. Neither were thankful, but became vain in their imagination and their foolish heart was darkened. In other words, when they knew God, they knew the attributes of God. They knew the revelation of the Almighty God. They knew the truth that He gave them. They knew exactly everything that God has revealed. God has made it plain to them. But the Bible says that they glorified Him not as God. In other words, they refused deliberately rejected the truth. Yeah. It was obvious. God revealed himself, but they deliberately rejected it. And that is why you have to present it before them. That's why you have to present You will notice that when you are talking to some teenagers and they, and they want to give an excuse for not doing anything, they will say, uh, you never told me to do it. Do I need to tell you to do certain things? I remember when, when I was uh, I was still doing some on-campus teaching at, uh, in one of the local universities here. I told the students, I said, i give you a project. And I expect you, you know, you can collaborate with one another so that you can be able to expand your research and get additional information. Now this individual now came to me and submitted an assignment and copied exactly what his partner did. And then by the time he submitted it and I called him out, he said, you never told us not to, you know, you you never told us not to, not to, uh, not to work together. I said, there are two different things. There's a difference between collaborating and working together and submitting the same script. Two different things. The point you are making is that that is a deliberate ignorance. He, he's willfully, he knows what he's doing is wrong. He knew he was not supposed to do it, but he wanted to, he's just deliberately faking his ignorance. Now, you never told me. So you never told you. If Is that your line of argument or you want to say, I'm sorry, I made a mistake, Let me give me an opportunity to do it again because if you want to argue you don't know that I never told you we can take it to the dean and then we settle it there or we can settle it right now by telling me okay I made a mistake I goofed give me an opportunity to do it again and I will do that which one do you want to go for I think it's common sense prevailed right. and then eventually you had to do it the point you are making is that truth is deliberately rejected the bible says that when they knew God they glorify him not as God that is why we have to confront them with the truth Because you can no longer say that you did not know. You can no longer say that God did never told God never told me. And then number four, because truth is deliberately falsified. Look at verse number 23 of that verse of that chapter. Verse 23. The Bible says that they changed the glory of the incorruptible God into the image of corruptible men. In other words, they know the image of God. They know that this is what God, you know, this is the attribute of the Almighty God. They now took that attribute. Mm -hmm. They deliberately falsified the truths of God that they knew. Mm -hmm. Deliberately falsified it. And if you look at verse number 25, the Bible says they changed the truth of God for a lie. Mm -hmm. You know that this is what God said and you because you don't want to follow it you took that word and you changed it and turned it into a lie yeah. and that is what is happening in the heart of men today Absolutely. and that is why we as christians need to stand up and declare the truth of the word of god that is where you have to open the scriptures that is why when we're coming here in the morning i ask us to read the bible so that is not what i said is what you are reading yourself. That's why we open the scripture and we say, this is what the Bible said. So that you don't say, this is what the preacher said. No, it is what you are reading. I didn't write it. Okay, this is what the Bible said. The Bible said that they, in verse number 25, it said they changed the truth of God for a lie. Mm-hmm. The reason we declare the truth is because people deliberately falsified the truth. People falsify the truth. And that's why you have to declare the truth. These are the reasons why we must confront the people with the truth of the word of God. If we are going to represent Christ in this generation. Another question that comes to mind is this. In an environment where the truth of the word of God is rejected in an environment where the truth of God is where the truth of uh, the truth of the word of God is discounted in an environment where truth is ignored in an environment where truth is falsified okay if we who have been entrusted with the truth of the gospel do not speak up what do you think will happen what do you think will happen let me share one or two things because Paul the apostle was able to see what will happen if we don't speak up for the truth if we don't represent the truth, if we don't live the truth, Paul the Apostle specifically gave us an example or gave us an idea of what will happen. Romans chapter 1. We're going back to that together, to that chapter again, and Paul the Apostle outlines six different things that will happen. The first one is that the Bible says in verse number twenty-one. He says, "Because that when they knew God, they glorified not the, they glorified Him not as God; neither were thankful, but became vain in their imagination and their heart became and their foolish heart was darkened." The first thing will, that will happen if Christians refuse to declare the truth of the gospel, the first thing that will happen is that they the imagination of people will become vain yes they are vain. The Bible says the people will become vain in their imagination. You know what? They will begin to imagine stupid things. They will begin to imagine things that are unhuman, things that are completely contrary to common sense. That is what will happen when you refuse to declare the truth of the Word of God. Number two, the heart of men will become darkened. The heart of men will become darkened when we refuse to tell the Word of God. It's like when you extinguish the light in this room right now. What will happen is that when you take away the light, what happens? That will come in and that's what happened when you take away the truth of the word of God falsehood will come in and the heart of men will be darkened number three when we take away when they'll take away the truth of when we don't declare the word of God what will happen that people become foolish people become foolish Mm The Bible makes us understand that the Word of God are good for life, they are good for godliness, they are good for instruction, they are good for exhortation, that's what the Word of God is. When you take away the truth of the Word of God, people become foolish. And that's why some day you look at the kids, you look at the kids that are growing up right now, they don't have simple common sense. you're walking around the street you don't know I mean that's the story for another day but that's why you know when we do not confront the truth the people become foolish number four when we do not confront the truth people will start to dishonor their own bodies with vile and lost affections yes and we see that right now yes we see people living a life and you know that this is contrary to nature and we continue to and they continue to live like that the reason is very simple is because we the church has refused to declare the truth of the word of god My God, when you declare it when you don't declare the truth of the word of god the people will start dishonoring their own bodies and we lost and with vile affection they will start living a life that is contrary to reason not only that, when we don't declare the truth of the word of God, when we don't live the truth of the word of God, when we don't practice the truth of the word of God, what you will find is that the people's mind will become reprobate. And by reprobate, it means that they will not, they will lack principle. They will become miscreant. They will become shameless. They will become immoral. They will become depraved when we don't tell them the truth. When you don't declare the word of God. The mind will become reprobate. Verse number 28. The Bible says that even as they did not like to retain God in their knowledge. Verse 28. And even as they did not like to retain God in their knowledge, God gave them over to a reprobate mind to do the things which are not convenient. In other words, when you reject God, what happened? God says, okay, you can have it your way. And that's what happened. The mind becomes degenerated. It start to degrade. They become shameless. They become, they become, they become depraved. They become immoral. They become, they lack principle. They wave everywhere and they, they just live by their instinct like animals. That's what happens when the word, when the word of God is no longer elevated to the status where he's supposed to be. And finally, when we don't declare the word of God, you will see what happened in verse number 32. The Bible says, who knowing the judgment of God, who knowing the judgment of God, that they which commit such things are worthy of death, not only do the same, but have pleasure in them that do them. In other words, they dare God. They challenge God. Say, God, there you are. Come and do your worst to me. I'm here. I mean, you can't do anything. They begin to threaten, they begin to dare God to say, God, do your worst. We are here, we have been doing whatever we want to do, and we can do whatever we want to do. We don't have to live by your standard. That is what is going on. And they not only do that for themselves, they encourage other people to begin to live that way. Yes, That is what happens when the church remains silent. That's what, what happens when Christians don't live by the word of God. That is what happens when we don't practice our faith. That is what happens when our lives and our professions are inconsistent. That's what happens. Because people no longer have a guiding light. People no longer have a frame of reference. They no longer have anything to refer to. People start to dare God, and when you start daring God, what happens? You invite the judgment of God upon your life. Okay, now these are some of the things that happen in our society. That is what happened in a society where the church refused to speak or to declare. The question is, how then do we confront our society? How do we confront our culture? How do we confront our families? How do we confront individuals in our lives with the truth of the gospel? How do we do it? Let's look at a couple of suggestions from the scriptures. Number one, we confront the we confront gently and wisely. Matthew chapter ten, reading from verse number sixteen. In Matthew chapter ten, reading from verse number sixteen, the Bible says, Behold, I send you forth as sheep in the midst of wolves. Be ye therefore wise as a serpent and harmless as a dove. In other words, the Lord is saying that you are going to go into hostile environment. You are going to go to places where people don't represent your where they don't they actually recognize the, your your faith. You are going to go, you are going to go to places where people don't even acknowledge the authority of the word of God in their lives. He said, when you get into that particular place, he said, therefore, you should be wise. And you should be as gentle. In other words, you should be as harmless as a dog. When you come in, you don't go in there wielding your Bible. If you don't believe in Lord Jesus Christ, you're going to go to hell. The down will strike from heaven and you're going to die immediately. If you come in like that, nobody listens to you. They see you as angry they see you as divisive but when you come in and you speak the word of God with gentleness and with wisdom what happens is that you begin to, people begin to listen and they wonder what do you have to say when you speak to them so Jesus said behold I send you forth a sheep in the midst of woe therefore be wise and be serpent so how do we confront this particular society we are confront our generation with the truth of the word of God we confront with wisdom we confront with gentleness yes. that's how you do it number two how do we confront our culture with the truth of the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. We do it by do, by logical reasoning. What does that mean? Let's take an example from the scripture. Acts chapter 17. Acts chapter 17 reading from verse number 1. Acts 17 reading from verse number 1. The Bible says, And when they had passed through Amphipolis and Apollonia, they came to Thessalonica, where there was a synagogue of the Jews. Verse number 2 now. And Paul As his manner was, went in, went in unto them, and three Sabbath days reasoned with them out of the scriptures. In other words, Paul did not just go in and tell them about funky gospel. Paul did not just tell them about how to get rich quick. He did not tell them how to escape the persecution. He did not tell them how you are going to build a big church. Or how you are going to do this or do that. Or how you are going to, you know, all the feel good gospel. No. The Bible says that Paul, for three Sabbaths, that means for three Sundays, he went in there and reasoned with them out of the scripture. In other words, he took the word of God, exposed it to them, and began to give them logical understanding. That way, how? How do you how do you encounter how do you release this word how do you how do you confront our society and our culture with the truth of the word of God you do it through logical reasoning you tell them this is what the word of God says and you begin to explain it step by step by step so that even the dumbest people like myself will be able to understand what has been said Paul the Apostle the Bible said for three Sabbaths three Sabbath days, reason with them out of the scripture, how then do you confront you confront through logical reasoning number three, how do we confront our culture with the truth of the gospel we confront our culture through a relevant experience relevant experience the Bible tells us the book of John chapter 4 John chapter 4 it from verse number 29 this is a story of Jesus Christ meeting that woman at the side of the well and when Jesus met her, the woman, he said, I am the water of life, I am the bread of life, all, those kind of things. And eventually, when Jesus Christ has spoken to that woman, he said, go and call your husband. The woman said, I don't have a husband. Then Jesus began to tell him, you have been married how many times and the person you are living with right now is not your husband. Jesus spoke to the situation and to the circumstance of this particular woman. And in verse number 29, look at what happened in the scripture. The Bible says that this woman now went back to the village. And the woman now started publicizing the the encounter with the Lord Jesus Christ. And in verse number 29, the Bible says, Come see a man who told me all the things I ever did. Is not this the Christ? And they, after they heard the testimony of this woman, they all came out of the city and they came unto him. How then do you, how then do we, how do we confront our culture with the truth? We confront through relevant experience. You speak to the life of that particular individual. A person who's having difficulty because of responsibility. You don't go there and just hammer the responsibility. You begin to present the word of God that will begin to show them where they are. You begin to present the word of God that will show them their circumstances and offer them a solution on how to get out of that condition. You speak to them. You speak to their experience. You provide them with relevant experience. Something they can relate to. Something that they can, something that they can associate to. Because if you, if you present a gospel that is disconnected, nobody will be able to relate to it. So how do we speak to them? We speak to them, number one, gently and wisely. We speak to them through logical, uh, through logical reasoning. Number three, we speak to them through relevant experience. And number four, how do we speak to them? We speak to them with signs and wonders. With signs and wonders. John chapter four, in verse, 4 verse 48. John 4 48, Jesus said unto him, Except you see signs and wonders, you will not believe. In other words, there are people who will not turn to Christ unless the power of your Almighty God is displayed. Unless they are arrested by the power of the Almighty God. When you see somebody who's making noise, talking about the fact that they they're, 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 and the Christian faith is no longer relevant and you speak the word of God into that person's life and something happens in that, minute, in, that person's, in that person's life immediately they have no way to argue with that you can't argue with that you can't argue with the power of the almighty God reaching down into your life and solving or meeting you at the point of your needs you can't argue with that so that's why Jesus says except you see signs and wonders you will not believe And how do we talk to this generation? We talk to them in the power of the Almighty God. How do we confront this generation? We confront this particular generation by the leading of the Holy Spirit. The Bible tells us in the book of Ecclesiastes, it says there is a time to speak and a time to be silent. A time to scatter and a time to gather. A time to, you know, a time to weep and a time to laugh. In other words, there is a time for everything. And how do you know the timing? It is by the Spirit of the Almighty God. And that's why the Bible tells us in the book of Luke chapter 12. Luke chapter 12, reading from verse 11. It says, And when they bring you unto the synagogues and unto magistrates and powers, say, take no thought how or what you shall answer or what you shall say. Verse number 12 now say, for the Holy Ghost shall teach you in the same hour what he ought to say in other words, when you come into difficult situation, when you come into difficult circumstances, you don't need to rehearse your answers, you don't need to rehearse what you are going to say, as you open yourself to the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit will drop an idea into your heart and you will speak that one word and everything will change and that is how you speak, because at that point in time, the spirit knows exactly what is relevant for that situation. And it's as you allow yourself to be an instrument in His hand, and you release that particular word, you will be surprised at what word, at what the Lord will use that word that you think is not relevant. What the Lord, how the Lord will Lord we use that word to fix that situation? So that's how we speak to this. That's how we speak to this generation. We speak to this generation through by gentleness. You speak to them wisely. You speak to them with logical reasoning. You speak to them. You speak to them through the line of the Holy Spirit. You speak to them with signs and wonders. You speak to them knowing that it is only God that can reach your people. You can carry placards. We can go to the courts. We can do a lot of other things that the people in the world are doing. But we are now knowing the result because the results are not what Because the Bible says that by the arm of the flesh shall no man prevail. It's not by power. It's not by might. It's by the Spirit of the Almighty God. And unless we depend upon the Spirit, yielding yielding ourselves unto Him, we might not be able to speak the truth to this generation and the more we allow the church to the the, the more the church becomes silent the more people stray away from the almighty god the more the gospel becomes irrelevant in the lives of people the more a lot of people are heading in the path of destruction there is a responsibility there is a responsibility that we have been given we live in a very strange time where those who will present the gospel of our lord jesus christ must not only be ready they must not only be, you know, they must not only be be ready, but they must also know how to present the word. And the reason they need to know how to present is so that they will not become an obstacle in the in the in the delivery of the word. And as we take all these things to heart, I pray the Lord Himself will equip us so that we we'll become better vessels, better instruments in His hands, so that we'll be able to reach out to more souls in the name of Jesus.
0: Thank you very much for listening to our program today. We invite you to join us every Sunday at 10 a.m. for our Sunday worship service at 2711 Murfreesboro Road in Antioch, Tennessee. We also host Bible study and prayer meetings every Friday at 7 p.m.
1: We will like to invite you to join us for the June edition of our breakfast meeting on Saturday, June 9, 2018
0: at 9 a.m. The meeting will be held at the Holiday Inn located at
1: 1453 Silo Hill Lane, Murfreesboro, Tennessee. Breakfast Connection is a forum for equipping believers to believe and share their faith in the marketplace. Childcare will be provided. We look forward to enjoying a warm fellowship with you.
0: Visit us online at www.lifelonganointing.com and on Facebook, Twitter, and YouTube. Join us next time for another edition of Fresh Encounter. On behalf of Lifelong Anointing Church, we thank you for listening.